Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to the Arscast, okay? So, look, this is a landmark Arscast, so we're going to do something, like, really special today. Something that's never been done before. Something groundbreaking. Something that's going to set the agenda for years to come. That's right. We're going to do the world's first musical concept album podcast you can hear me here i've got my keyboard i'm playing the notes it's gonna be like totally totally incredible it's gonna tell the story of a guy who sets up a blog about a football team and then he goes into space and he discovers that his father is from another planet and that he's also like really good at playing pinball but in the end it turns out the monkeys have destroyed the world it's gonna be like so intense guys you better get ready for this Or, you know, I could just, like, um, uh, do a normal podcast. I think I might just do a, a normal podcast. Do you mind? Because, oh, I mean, the, I can't write music to save my life. And as you can hear, I can't really play it either. So uh, I think it's best, you know, for, for everyone, for all concerned, that uh, we'll just do a, a normal one. So uh, so let's do it. The normal one. Just a, a regular, normal, run-of-the-mill, you know, Ours cast number four hundred. Yeah. Hello there, and welcome to a brand new Ars blog, Ars cast, right here on arsblog.com. How are you? I hope you survived the interlull safe and sound. Everybody seemed to go away. It got really quiet. There was no news. The websites were all deserted. You're walking through the corridors and your voice is echoing back. You're going, hello, is anyone here? And nobody was there. But now that we've got football again, we've got a whole exciting month coming up. In October, we're playing Swansea, we're playing Ludigorets, we're playing Reading, we're playing Middlesbrough, and we're playing Sunderland. It's all very exciting. So hopefully people will come back. And I hope you're here and I hope you're well on this particular Friday morning or whenever it is that you might be listening to the Arsecast. As mentioned at the start there, though, this is... Uh, a pretty landmark Arscast. It is number 400. It's the Arscast number 400. And coincidentally, well, not coincidentally, I don't know if it's a coincidence or not, if it's just timing or something, it comes almost 10 years uh, after the Arscast started. I looked this up. The very first Arscast was on October the 20th, 2006. 2006. Blimey. That is a a long time ago. I would say time flies, but it feels like a lot has happened in the 10 years uh, since this this Arscast, this, I guess, the very first Arsenal podcast started going. And I can remember doing the first one. I bought a microphone, a USB microphone. I didn't have any fancy equipment or anything like that. It was a microphone that plugged into the back of my iMac and uh, 
rather uh, foolishly, I didn't buy a stand for the microphone. So what I had to do was prop it up in uh, a jar, like a mug, which is filled with pencils and pens. And I sort of had to prop it up and then position myself close enough to that thing to talk into it. And, uh, well, look, it sounded the way it sounded. And I suppose what I might do in this particular uh, Arscast uh, is go back a bit and, and relive some of those exciting moments down the years of the podcast. And if you haven't ever heard the uh, the first one, if you are a relatively new listener to the Arscast, I mean, they go out of date really quickly. That's the thing about doing a football podcast. Uh, you know, by Sunday, this podcast is completely out of date. But if you never heard the first one, this is this is the first bit of the very first Arscast. Hello world, welcome to the very first Arsblog Arscast. It's like a podcast except with arses. Brought to you in association with ClassicFootballShirts.co.uk uh, who, because it's the very first Arscast, have given me a brilliant Arsenal shirt to give away. Uh, I'll give you more details of how to enter that competition later in the show. So what's an Arscast, you might ask? Well, you know the way the blog is just me writing some shit and you come along and read the shit and everybody likes the shit? Well, an Arscast is just me talking shit instead. So there you go. That uh, that was the very first Arse blog Arscast. I think I sound a bit different now. That's probably because, you know, I've, I've matured. My voice has matured. I'm getting older. These things happen, but I've, I sound strange to me. On that, I also sound like I really went to town on the reverb. I use much less reverb now, although, as regular listeners will know, I'm always partial to a bit of flange. You'll also notice that there was a rather dodgy use of a David Bowie song as our theme tune. That was the, the theme tune for about the first 10 or 12 episodes, and then I figured, actually, that's not going to work yeah, that won't, that won't work at all. Going to have to do something a little bit different. And uh, thankfully, we had um, Alicia and Mark, um, two Arsblog regulars, uh, who made music. And they provided a brand new theme tune, which lasted, I don't know, quite a while. Quite a while until the latest iteration. Here is the, the first original piece of uh, Arscast theme music. And the current theme tune, you'll notice that there are uh, elements of that in the current theme tune, which was made by Johnny Massacre, and we've been using that one since... I don't know. I can't remember. I have got no idea. And that's the thing. I forget stuff really easily. And I know that probably over the course of episode 400, I should delve back into the archives and pick out all the best bits and pick out the finest moments in Arscast history, but I've, I've got no idea what they are. I completely forget stuff. As soon as I either publish it here uh, on the blog or broadcast it or publish an Arscast, it tends to go pretty much right out of my head. There are a few things that stick with me, but for the most part, I don't remember what any of them are. 
Um, and people will say, hey, remember that thing you did? And I go, no, no. What was that again? And they might remind me, and it, sometimes it rings a bell, sometimes not. Or they say, remember that thing you wrote, that cool thing? And I go, no, don't, re- don't remember that either. So uh, so it's been a little bit difficult, but I will, over the course of this podcast, you know, try and pick out a, a few little bits and pieces uh, that over the 10 years have, have stuck with me. Um, we will also be talking about football, so don't worry about that. We're going to be talking to uh, our guest soon. Obviously, we've got a Premier League game this weekend against Swansea, a difficult team. And they've been a difficult team for us to play against. And they've got that whole thing going on this weekend of they've got a brand new manager. Is it just me or does that seem to happen to us quite often? We probably don't notice if it happens to other teams. But over the years, it seems to me that when a team fires its manager, very often we've been the first game that the new manager uh, gets to play. And of course, every team that gets a new manager, they're all more enthusiastic. They want to make a good impression. They try harder. They work harder. And it makes those games a little bit more difficult. Not always, but it can just add a little extra uh, spice or something, dimension to it all. I don't know. But that's what we're facing this weekend because Swansea have got a brand new manager, Bob Bradley. Bob Bradley, who got the job simply because he wasn't Ryan Giggs. Yeah. Swansea did the interviews. Ryan Giggs was so terrible, they said, let's call up the least qualified person we can find. Yes, this guy, he's an American. What does he know about football? I mean, he's only been a football manager for years and years and years. We'll just give him the job to really annoy Ryan Giggs and some of his Welsh media mates. That'll teach Giggs to come in here underprepared, not ready for a a job interview. I mean, one of the top 20 football jobs in the UK and you saunter in and think, hey, I'll just tell them to run around a bit more and work harder. That's how you get yourself out of a relegation scrap in the Premier League. You just got to, you know, do the Harry, do the Harry Redknapp. Run around a bit. Terrific, terrific. Yeah, lovely. So we'll be talking about that and stuff, I guess, as well. I don't know what else. Maybe I should do a competition or something. I don't know what I've got to give away. I could look around my my office. I don't really, <laughs> I don't really have anything to give away here. Would you like um, would you like some tape? It's like duct tape. Don't know why I have that. It's certainly not to uh, keep people prisoner. I can tell you that. What else do I have in here? I don't know. There must be something. God, I've got so much shit in this office. I need to do a tidy up. Um, maybe. Okay, I'll tell you what I'll do. Yeah. I know that in the back room somewhere, I've got... Uh, I've got a... Ooh, sorry. I've got like a spare copy or two um, for my own archives of So Paddy Got Up, which is the book that we, we published back in uh, 2012, I think. Um, which is a collection of writing by lots of uh, Arsenal fans and bloggers and things like that. And it is uh, completely and utterly out of print, so the only way you're going to find one is if someone is selling one secondhand or on on eBay or something. Uh, And I'm sure I have a copy of Together, the story of Arsenal's unbeaten season in there as well. So as a very special Arsecast 400 competition, I will give you, from my own very personal collection, uh, those books. So one winner will win two books. 
uh, and I'll sign them and date them and Arscast 400 and that kind of stuff. So there's our, our competition prize. That's, uh, that's a little bit later on. I'll do that a bit later in the show. So I want you to keep listening. That's, that's the entire thing here. So what else? Okay, so um, when the first Arscast came out, Arscast number one came out, we were getting ready that weekend to face Reading in the Premier League away from home. And the previous week, I think it was, it was the, the bit of a coincidence there because we're playing Reading later this month. And another coincidence, of course, is that I'm about to tell you about what happened to our now goalkeeper, uh, Petr Cech, who at that time, of course, was playing for, for Chelsea. Boo. But anyway, it was the incident with Stephen Hunt. You might remember the challenge where Stephen Hunt accidentally or not accidentally it's very hard to tell, uh, left a knee in and uh, cracked Petr Cech's skull open, uh, requiring him to wear a helmet from, from then on. Well, obviously, he was out of action for quite a while because he had a fractured skull, but when he came back, he has to wear this protective helmet. Uh, so we were facing Reading that weekend, and in the very first Arscast, I, uh, I called up Reading Football Club to, to ask them a question, and this is how that went. Reading Football Club. Yeah, hi, good morning. I'm, I'm calling on behalf of Jens Lehmann. I'm just wondering if he should bring a crash helmet for the game on Sunday? That's very good. Thank you very much. Well, some people just can't take a joke, can they? No. Uh, for the record, uh, that game against Reading, we won it. 4-0. 4-0. Two goals from Thierry Henry. A goal from Alexander Hleb. Holy shit. And Robin Van Persie scored. Uh, here was our lineup that day. Uh, Lehman, Justin Hoyt, Colo Toure, William Gallas, Johan Juru. So that, oh, that would have been Gallas at left back. Right, he was hating that for a while, wasn't he? Yeah. In midfield, there was Cesc Fabregas, Gilberto Silva, uh, Thomas Rzitzki, Alexander Kleb, Robin Van Persie, and Thierry Henry. On the bench that day, Manuel Almunia, Gail Clichy, Alex Song, Theodore Walcott, and Emmanuel Adibayor. Blimey. Heady days indeed, 10 years ago, almost to the day, and we beat Reading 4-0, just after the very first Arscast. And speaking of the very first Arscast, my guest that day, the very first Arscast guest, it was, I think we called it the blog chat, was Good Player from goodplayer.com, then a pretty prolific blogger now, not so much, but still tinkering and dropping in now and again. So given that he was first, I thought it might be apt to bring him back for this one. So Good Player, welcome back. Thank you. So let's um, let's talk a little bit how the the last ten years of your Arsenal supporting life have been since Arscast number one to Arscast four hundred. Uh, plenty has happened, um, obviously personally and professionally, and in terms of in terms of Arsenal. How's it been for you? I think ten years ago I was highly obsessed in a in a harsh way. Mm. I think it's fair to say. Um, lived, breathed, thought about Arsenal a hell of a lot. Um, and then something changed maybe seven years ago, um, roughly that. I, I can't remember exactly. Um, I wasn't sure. Partner, I wasn't sure if it was starting to think about kids coming along and that, and that kind of thing, or if it was just to do with a certain repetitiveness, a certain Groundhog Day in, in the Arsenal experience. It wasn't a terrible experience of going out of business or being relegated. Um, 
but just a, a certain repetitiveness. And I, I, it was something I touched on in the chapter that I wrote in your book, actually, about mm. what this was. Was it was it getting older, or was it actually that things were just a bit stale? Um, and and so ten years on, I'm kind of life's a lot busier with young children and very busy work. Um, and and so genuinely, it's hard for Arsenal to quite take up as much of my brain power as it did mm. to go. I still think about it a lot, um, probably more, more than a lot of people. Um, and, and I care a lot, probably not quite in the same way, but um, but I do. And yeah. it's, um, I'm, I wouldn't not have it in my life, not sure. for the life of me. Um, where are we 10 years later? We've won a couple of FA Cups. Um, but I, I suspect that, you know, what would it have been? It would have been 2000 and, well, it would have been, you know, October 2000 and yeah and in a funny way not that much has changed <laughs> I think by if, if one were to compare you know look at it, comparing it to Arsenal's last 10 years to the average 10 years in a in a club throughout time you know it's been a kind of fairly consistent 10 years by any standards of 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 kind of finishing third or fourth or occasionally second um and boxing around if you like but ne- never quite being there so that's it's it's weird in that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, do you feel like it's okay? You talk, you could say not much has changed in terms of you know where we end up in in the league, and I think that's a fair point. And I think everybody will be able to identify in in one way uh, or in some way at least with the the Groundhog Day. But but when you look at where we were in two thousand and six, we just moved into the Emirates. It was the first season of the Emirates, and obviously there was a, a sad goodbye to Highbury. And then w- what happened, let's say, between 2006 and 2014, when finances were a little bit restricted, when the manager went down a very specific path in terms of how he tried to build a team to compete, uh, which he almost did a, a couple of times. Uh, it feels to me, like, you know, having come through that period, that, that, that quite a lot has changed in terms of the overall Arsenal experience, if not necessarily the one on the pitch. Yes, I think I think there's truth in that. I mean, I'm, I'm semi. I, I kind of remember though that there was this phase where it was all about the young players, etc. And and then suddenly it wasn't all about the young players, and and that didn't, from my point of view, that didn't suddenly coincide with having more money. I think that came later. Um, and so yes, things have changed, and obviously there's more money now. Um, than there was, and I accept there were compromises, but to me it feels like the man at the top, and this is such a, I Arsene Wenger is such a kind of dominant figure, if you like, that that you know that that's the most there's there's a great deal of continuity, if you like, in in many ways because the way he does things, and I'm not sure, I'm not sure he's changed. I mean, do you not look at something like? His newfound uh, interest, I won't say it's an obsession, but his newfound interest in in stats and when Arsene Wenger talks about things like expected goals, it, it shows that there, perhaps there there is a, an element of change to him. Um, do you feel it's more like the football philosophy itself, the way that he wants to play the game or the way that he wants to view the game or the way that he, he operates within the game hasn't really changed? I feel like I feel like he's. I feel like often in my kind of looking to see how flexible he will be, um, 
and that you know I think he's become very principled with age um which is no bad thing and I think um not always a bad um but I think he's yeah he has a, a he very much has a way of doing things and I think he's you know I think he has shown greater flexibility um over the last few years and I think I think he yeah, I think there has been some change. I think one of the things he's done is we had that horrible period where we had a load of players who, frankly, were quite unlikable. Mm. Um, <laughs> you know, the kind of Bentner added by or Abue time. You know, maybe I'm being unfair on them, but you know, I think he's um, that he's got rid of, which is which is a good thing. But I, you know, he feels like a very just a very dominant figure, and mm. and, it, and it ultimately whatever, however it changes, it's still very much Arsenal's way. Do you? Th- I mean, when we did this first podcast back in 2010, if I can like transport you back there, or 2006 rather, I mean, would you have envisaged Arsene Wenger still being in charge 10 years later? Uh, what, given, given the 10 years we've had? I mean, I don't think, I don't think most people would because it's pretty uncommon, really. Mm. You know, um, I think, I think that's fair to say. Yeah, he has a particular relationship with the board. He also, in fairness to him, did what he did for Arsenal. I think he probably did, you know, below Ferguson in terms of Ferguson's achievement. You know, it's the second in terms of winning stuff. It was an amazing achievement. It was much more than Mourinho ever did at Chelsea, in Mm. my view. So, you know, so he did have a lot of goodwill in the bank. You know, and, and rightly, and rightly so. I think certainly, you know that the the stupendousness of his achievements up until you know two thousand and four in terms of trophies, you know, or two thousand and five. Sorry, um, you know, is a is a big reason for incredible achievements, and and he deserved a lot more goodwill and a lot more time than than almost any other manager. Mm. So, how do you view the this season squad? I mean, you talk about. Uh... You're getting rid of the unlikable players, and obviously the squad has developed over the last number of years. When you're bringing in players for transfer fees that were pretty much unthinkable for Arsenal, certainly when we started uh, or when we did that first podcast, the idea of spending thirty-five, forty million pounds on a player as a matter of course was was absolutely absurd. It, it was ludicrous. Um, but looking at this season, the way we've started, the the makeup of the squad, the the depth that we have. How are you? How are you viewing things in that regard? Well, I think in that sense, I think this is the first time when I look at the squad and I think that numerically there are not any obvious holes in it. And and that was one of the issues I had with Arsene Wenger before was over the years was that I accepted we didn't have huge amounts of money to around, but I couldn't understand how a club like Arsenal could go into a season with three central defenders. You know. Mm. Um, I didn't. I, I couldn't believe we were that poor. So, you know, with the fact we have, I think players in every position, very, is a is a good thing, and 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 will stand us in good stead this season. I think, you know, I think there's there's still quite a lot to be worked out in terms of who the first team is. I think in in goal and in defence, you know, we've got a pretty clear. Idea. But once you get beyond that, you're kind of looking only in the the kind of front six players, if you like. You're only talking about maybe two who are dead certs to start. Um, and I think you win titles when you when you have a clue. Um, and I think he's not yet 
we haven't really worked out the central midfield, but we might have the players there to work it out. Mm. Um, and and up front, it's still a, a tricky one because the player who's most comfortable up on his own is is clearly Giroud, in my view. But you know, there are reasons that the manager has, and, and, and understandable reasons, some of them, that that he you know that Giroud is not being played, and so you know it's not quite solved. Albeit the squad is is good, mm. I think. The 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 decision to play Alexis up there was in some ways born out of necessity. But when you look at the numbers, if we're going to talk about stats and things like that, Alexis has five goals and five assists. He's clearly the player who's producing the most for Arsenal, even if we're only beginning perhaps to think that he might be convincing in, in that position. Um, it's it's interesting to see him take over the creative mantle in some way, despite the fact that he's playing supposedly as, as the main striker. Mesut Ozil, for example, has yet to register an assist this season. And there was, uh, for me, it's quite interesting that there's been a, a move away from the reliance on his creativity. I mean, he's got more goals than he's got assists, which is, you know, for Ozil is, is kind of the other way around. So it's it, there are interesting things happening. I'm not quite sure whether they're all by design, but but certainly when you look at the, the way we're playing and the effect that this new kind of formation, this new front four is having on the team, it's certainly interesting and it's it's different. Just it's simply different. It's not it's not groundhog, I guess. True. I think that's I think that's true, and I think you know Alexis has clearly done well. Um, I mean, it's different. Yeah, the Urzel thing. It's kind of it's still early days. It's it's a post a major tournament when mm. you know the players have been involved. Always take a bit of time to to settle, etc. It's um, no, it'll be interesting to see if he can, if Alexis can, you know, genuinely come out as a really convincing you know, lone man up front, then that's very interesting, very promising for us, I think. Um, it's, you know, we're probably just not quite there in terms of, you know, in terms of seeing it over a long period of time. But, but you know, that that would that would really be a good thing if he could. Yeah, I mean, it looks like it, it sort of suits the supporting cast a little better than than Giroud up front. And I'm, you know, I'm I'm somebody who thinks that Giroud still has a role to play. There are times when you're going to need a plan B, so to speak. There are, there are times where you're obviously going to need to rotate your squad. And, you know, he's a 20-goal-a-season striker, a very decent guy to to have in your squad. But perhaps there was a an element of Arsenal when Giroud was in the team uh, becoming a bit too predictable, that teams knew how to play against us. It wasn't always the case that they could stop it. I mean, when it works, it works really, really well. But when it doesn't, it's it, it's obvious why it's not working. Um, so the transition away from Giroud to this other slightly less predictable format or formation or system, whether it is a system or not, I'm, I'm not 100% sure. But perhaps we're seeing that reflected in, in the results and the performances. Because, it, you know, last season, for example, the football that we played, even when we won and played quite well, it, it, it was a long way from Arsene Wenger's team's best football. And then you look at something like Chelsea, you look at FC Basel, the way we played there, and it feels like it seems to suit the rest uh, of the players around that front man. Yeah, I, th- I think that's true. I think there was an issue last season that at times it was kind of boring and not the best football. Um, and, and, yeah, there is certainly promise so far this season. There have been some, you know, some really nice things to watch the game at Watford. It was 
you know, it's, it's just really nice and, and easy on the eye. Um, you know, as I say, it's kind of early days and we, we wait and, and see it doesn't, you know, it, it feels, it still feels to me very early days in the season, mm. but it does. Yeah. I, I see your point. I think there is a, there is a change there. Um, and, and I think predictability was an issue last season to an extent. Mm. And, you know, you could work out what we were going to do. And, and I think that was a problem. Do you think that the, the fact that you talk about numbers and the fact we're not necessarily short in any particular areas, I mean, we, we've written about it down the years, I'm sure, where you, you look at a squad and you say having, having numbers uh, doesn't just give you the ability to cover for players when they're gone, but it, it creates a sort of competitive environment. So you're looking for players to uh, bring out the best in each other, uh, you know, to, to drive each other forward. You know that if you don't perform, then there's somebody else there waiting to take your chance. I mean, defensively, we seem to have that. Midfield, we certainly have that. Up front, in the front three, you know, there are, there are plenty of options, uh, maybe not quite as many as in, in the other two areas. Um, I think that's a that's a positive thing as, as we go forward as well. I agree. I mean, you know, sometimes... Sometimes the, I will, you know, I always remember the not wanting to kill Danielson line by bringing <laughs> in another player or something. Um, yeah, know, which just kind of, I think, did the head in somewhat. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of this is a Premier League football club, and it's a it's a very it's a very big Premier League football club, and and the idea that competition isn't good is is absurd, frankly. Mm. Um, yeah, and so it is a good thing that. Uh, there does appear to be more now. I think, you know, I think players should have competition. I think they should know that, you know, if they're if they don't succeed, if they don't, if they don't, if they're kept out of the side or not good in the games, and they they risk being sold in a you know, lesser team with not such a not not the same comforts as they enjoy at Arsenal. It's important, really, mm. you know, to have that and um, and to see that and to see that you're not. You know that you don't get too comfortable as a football because um, you know that doesn't get the best out of anyone, does it? So no. I think you're quite right. I think it's really promising to see that proper competition now. Mm. All right. Well, look very quickly. We're going to just look ahead to the to the game against Swansea uh, after an interval. It's it's always a bit difficult to try and find the momentum you had uh, beforehand. And there's a couple of interesting things about this this game this weekend. Firstly, they've got a new manager, which seems to happen to us quite regularly where a manager gets sacked and we play the first game against the new manager. But Swansea, uh, you know, been a decent Premier League side, but a pain in our arses, a pain in the hole for the last number of years. 2011 was the last time that we beat them and it was kind of a fortuitous goal. I think the goalkeeper made a terrible clearance straight to Arshavin and, and he scored, if I remember correctly. But that was the last time we'd beaten them at home in the Premier League. Uh, the last uh, three of, well, we've lost three of the last four games against them, uh, quite often in circumstances which have been damaging to us. Uh, and the other game was was drawn. So uh, they've been a bit of a, a thorn in our sides, a bogey team almost, if you will. Um, so that does that add a bit of a challenge to it? Is that you know in the minds of these players, or is there enough freshness in this particular team not to not to be too concerned about that? You never know. I mean, I, I think it's one of those things that tends to play on your mind. If if after twenty five minutes, their keeper, who I think is still Fabianski, yeah, yeah, has pulled <laughs> off uh, three great saves, and suddenly you think this is going to be 
one of those days. You yeah, know, we, right. we know that's going to happen as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and he's gonna and he's gonna come rushing from goal at some point, and he's gonna and he's just gonna perform the most perfect sliding tackle. The one time, the one time it ever works for him. Yeah, and we're all gonna, we're all going to be admiring his incredible dash from goal. Um, no, you know, I think I think you're right. I think after the Inter love win is a win. Basically, you just mm. you take it however you get it you move on you build from there basically all right well look uh, we'll leave it there but uh, good to talk to you again we'll chat with you hopefully before arsecast uh, 800 any plans to sort of uh, resurrect the blogging at all or just dip in well, now and again quite, it's not stopped no it's, um i i it's hard for me to watch every game at times yeah so that's one barrier because I, I don't like to write about it if i highlights because it doesn't really Mm. work and then and then it's just a case of finding the time to write about it which is just harder than it is i i kind of i thought about throwing it in and i get various messages trying to buy the blog off me which i'm i'm never sure how serious some of them are but um but i i kind of enjoy having it there and i think i'd regret not having it there and i think there's still you know people who uh come to the blog when i do write so you know what's the harm in a way absolutely i think it's probably how i how i see it all right well look a genteel kind of uh, pace (laughs) if you like yeah some nice afternoon tea now and again in the blogging world all right well we'll leave it there good player thanks as always thank you Thank you very much indeed to Good Player, the very first guest on the Arsecast, and now guest number, well, he's not guest number 400, but he is the guest on the uh, the 400th episode. Thank you very much indeed to him. You can find him sometimes on Twitter, at Good Player, uh, and also uh, on his blog, goodplayer.com. Very rarely these days. But hey, that's uh, that's just the way it goes when life and kids and work and all those kind of things uh, get in the way. But once again, thank you very much indeed to Good Player. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So, right, what what else have we got to do on this particular podcast? A few more little uh, lookbacks. I think we'll do that now in a moment. I'm going to tell you about FanDuel as well in a little while, how you can win yourself actual real-life money playing one-day fantasy football. Details of that still to come. What else? Oh, yeah, the competition for the two books. Uh, I'll give you that before the uh, the end of the show as well. And I don't know. Well, yeah, other things. So, like, um, 400 episodes, and we've done a lot. We've interviewed a lot of people. We've... We've had some fun together, some not so fun together. We've had to go through a lot of bad times, actually. 
podcast started in 2006, and of course, that pretty much uh, encapsulated or or took in the whole span of our trophyless reign. We won the FA Cup in 2005, and then nothing again till the FA Cup in 2014. There was Champions League final. wasn't doing the uh, the podcast for that, but there were league titles that went uh, amiss, and of course the. Carling Cup in 2011 and, uh, you know, other things. So it's been, it was a rough road there. But we managed to have some some laughs along the way, I think. And um, one of the things that people remind me about quite often is the night where I went out. It was a Thursday night. I was doing the podcast and I hadn't quite finished it yet. And I had to go out. And then I came back and I was uh, quite happily explaining something about Manchester City. We were about to play Manchester City, and I had to go out then. And I uh, had some drinks, came back uh, to finish the podcast very late at night whilst trying to coerce the Arsblog Basset Hound, who was nearby, into doing something. I don't quite know what I was trying to get him to do, but I was talking to him while trying to finish off the podcast. Uh, I'll play this now. And I should point out that there is quite a lot of swearing in this particular bit. Quite, quite a lot. Opus? No? Uh-oh. See, Arsblog Basset Hound does not care. He does not care. Anyway, the point is, is that it's 1.16 a.m. And nobody needs to fucking care at 1.16 a.m. What is the point? What are you going to do? I met a guy that we played against at the weekend, and, and they were better than us, and he had a really, really, really long throw. And it was just like, ah, oh, for fuck's sake. What's the point in even talking to you? What is the point in talking to Joey Barton or fucking Warren Barton? Is Warren Barton Joey Barton's dad? He could well be. The point is, is that nobody fucking cares. Once somebody called Barton is in the team, all you hope for is that they die. I'm trying to be good here. But I hope that Opus... See, Arsblog Basset Hound just wants to go back to his bed. He doesn't care whether you're Joey Barton, Warren Barton, Wayne Barton, Trevor Barton, Arthur Barton, Mick Barton. See, Opus... No, he's not caring, you see? That's the thing. Anyway, look, I'm going to go to bed now. Because if you're listening to this tomorrow, it means that I'm in bed now. The more that I'm in bed now, the less that you're not in bed here or something. Anyway, the point is, the point is, is that Arthur Barton and Gilbert Barton and William Langhammer Barton, they're all cunts. And the point is, you know, just whatever. Anyway, good night. I think, uh, you know, listening back, that was pretty much the high point of my my broadcasting career. Don't know what that says about the rest of it, but, but there you go. I'm happy enough with that. It was uh, quite intelligible, all things considered, really. What else? Well, uh, there was the time when... Uh, Got to interview Ian Wright over the telephone for a few minutes. That was uh, that was cool. Ian Wright, Arsenal legend. What a goal scorer. What a goal scorer. So you're keen to impress. You don't want to fuck up. You don't want to don't want to do anything daft. You want to make sure that everything runs as smooth as it possibly can. So he comes away thinking, "Hey, this guy, he's professional. I like what he does. I go on that show again for sure." 
He's got a shit together. He knows what he's doing. Put that guy behind a microphone and it's like it's 100% every single time. That's what you want. But unfortunately, sometimes you get like this. All right, I'm oh. delighted to be welcome. Oh, fuck that shit. Sorry, man. Um, <laughs> Brilliant. All right, I'm delighted to welcome to the Arsecast right now an Arsenal legend, Ian Wright. Hello. There. So that was Ian Wright from back in the day, and I have been trying really hard to get Ian Wright back on the podcast because uh, towards the end of last season, he mentioned Arseblog on BT Sport, and uh, there was a bit of a Twitter conversation, and someone said, you should get him on the podcast, and I said, that'd be great, love to do that, and he said, yeah, sure, anytime, but uh, I've been trying to make it happen, and unfortunately, uh, he has a podcast contract with another organization, which apparently precludes him from, from doing any other podcasts, but Ian Wright, you know, he he was the rebel, he's a rebel, he should, you know, should just do it, right, he should just... Forget, you know, just do it. Don't worry about the contract. What are they going to do? Sack him? No. Come on, Ian. Right? Let's let's do it. I'll I'll come to London and bring some microphones, and we can have a cup of tea, and I don't know, a, a biscuit. Yeah, we could have a biscuit or two. I don't know, cakes. I'll bring cake if you want. I can bring some some French fancies, Mister Kipling, or I'll make a cake. I'll even make a cake and bring it. That will be good. Anyway, hopefully. We can we can do something in the near future because that that'd be great and uh, hopefully I can do a, a better intro than that. We're going to talk to you very quickly uh, before we move on with other bits about FanDuel. FanDuel is one day fantasy football. All you have to do is pick a team for one day, not the whole season. Everyone gets tired of doing it over the course of a season. You miss your deadline. You're like, oh no, my captain is out injured for 12 months with a broken spleen or something. And so you lose all the points and then somebody, so nobody's got time for that. But one day fantasy football where you can win actual real life cash, simple. Everyone can do that. Go to fanduel.co.uk and sign up using the promo code ARSBLOG. You can also download their app for Android and iOS. Fanduel.co.uk. Use the promo code ARSBLOG. And when you do, uh, they will refund you up to £10 if you don't win on your first game. Because you can actually win money without putting any money in your account. Uh, not a great deal of money, but there are big prizes that you can win if you uh, deposit a bit of money and enter the competitions. There are entry fees into competitions. And if you enter and don't win, Fanduel will refund you up to £10. So check it out. Fanduel.co.uk and use the promo code ARSBLOG. Right then. So over the years uh, on the Arsecast, we've had some uh, some characters, some bits and pieces. And I know uh, for some people, the the silly stuff doesn't work i get that Uh, but you know this is my podcast i can do what i like and if i find something amusing that's generally enough for me but we've had you know some uh, characters based on on players like uh, sylvester do you want a funk of course the penis of william gallas we've had the man in the bar who used to do uh, player histories in the early days uh what else did we have uh the angriest man on twitter of course internet joe wow Poor old Internet Joe. Uh, we've a Maori Bischoff PI. Yeah, the world's greatest private investigator. Uh, and loads more. Um, two of the most popular ones, I think, were Mick Bentner, the greatest striker that ever lived, of course, and uh, Andre Arshavin, who's, uh, 
whose funny little Russian ways made for some very amusing turns, at least for me anyway. So there you go. Uh, we've also done down the years some really silly, terrible, ter- terrible, I make no bones about it, really terrible songs. Uh, so I'm going to play just a couple now. First up, this was to do, I can't quite remember the context, but it was to do with uh, Andre Arshavin and his love of uh, sweet snack foods. we have Mick Benner, who always liked a bit of a song. Uh, this came after there was an incident. Do you remember he, like, did he kick in the door of an apartment building just so he could go to the swimming pool? I think that's what it was. But it was something to do with kicking in a door and then going swimming. Of course, uh, that does happen when you're up all night to Mick Benner. That, actually, playing those has reminded me that Bentner and Arshavin did a duet. Hang on. I'm just going to see if I can remember where it was. Oh, yeah, okay. If you go to Arscast 279, the very end of that particular Arscast, uh, if you're so inclined, you can listen to Mick Bentner and Andre Arshavin sing Somewhere Out There. Uh, I think the film was An American Tale by the Little Mouse. What was his name? Fivel? Faisal? Fivel, I think. Anyway, he was a mouse. But those two sing the song about their own um, football trials and tribulations that were going on at that particular moment in time. I'm sure there are loads of things, other things that I could replay or go back to. But uh, like I said at the start, I can't really remember all the stuff. So... 
Uh, maybe I should have like crowdsourced some ideas and put together a compilation, but I didn't. It's too late now because you're already listening to this. Maybe for the next one. Maybe for 500, I'll do that. All right. Um, while we're here, though, I would just like to say thank you to all of you uh, who have uh, put up with me and indulged me over the course of 400 episodes, over the course of 10 years. Um, I really do appreciate all the people who listen. Uh, thank you for allowing me into your ears every week and into your life and into your routine, whether it's dog walking or going to school or on the commute or wherever it might be. Thank you so much indeed for listening, because um, without you, I would still be doing it, probably. But it's much better when you guys are around and you're listening. So uh, it's hugely appreciated. It's nice to be able to just, you know, waffle about football or sometimes not football, whatever the case might be. You know, I think we we take football seriously and we should take football seriously because it's a grand passion for all of us, but, but not too seriously. Not so seriously that you forget there's a real life out there or, or that you should have manners or you should treat people with respect and, and dignity. And I think... Uh, I hope anyway that all the people who listen to this podcast are, are more or less of the same mind, that we can, when we need to, step back a bit and just realize that, okay, it's all going a little bit crazy. Sometimes you get caught up in the passion of it, but for the most part, it's good to be able to to look at the lighter side, if there is a lighter side. Sometimes there isn't, uh, but sometimes you've just got to laugh at the dark stuff too. you got to remember that, you know... There are other things about football that are great. It's not just the 90 minutes. Of course, that's the most important, but, you know, it's uh, meeting your friends or making friends or the social aspect of it. You know, you can't lose sight of that because that's, you know, it's a huge part of it for uh, for people who go every week and also for people who go just occasionally. But, you know, if your life revolves around the game and the matches, um, if you get too invested in just the 90 minutes, then... I don't know. I don't know if you can ever be happy with it. There's always something to complain about. And you know what? Next week, there'll be another football match. And next season, there'll be another season. And, you know, we've been there. As I said earlier, (laughs) it was like eight years or nine years of the podcast. Eight years. 2006 to 2040, we didn't win anything. It was like, oh, holy shit. First couple of years of the blog, when I started in 2002... Oh, just win the double, you win the FA Cup in 2003, 2004, you go through the season unbeaten, the Invincibles, 2005, you win the FA Cup, and then it's like, oh, fuck. But the podcast hadn't won anything. The Arsecast was a trophyless zone until 2014, and uh, oh, Jesus, what great fun that was. I still, it still annoys me when people say, ah, it's only the FA Cup. Fuck that. It was brilliant. Winning the FA Cup was brilliant. So much fun, sticky floors. Uh, from drinks on the floor of the Tollington before any of you go there. What kind of a podcast do you think this is? It's brilliant. Winning things is brilliant. And yes, I want to win the league and I want to win the Champions League. I'm not downplaying the FA Cup. It was the first first uh, trophy of the, the Arscast. I only just thought about that. So, uh, so there you go. So what else? Oh, yes, the competition. The competition. The competition to win the two books. You win a copy of So Paddy Got Up. You win a copy of Together the Story of Arsenal's Unbeaten Season. The uh, the book I did with uh, Andrew Allen for the uh, well for the ten year anniversary of the Unbeaten Season. All you have to do is send an email to competition at arsblog.com. There's no question. All you got to do is just say, hi, I want to enter the competition, whatever. You can write a poem if you want. You don't have to, and it's not going to make your chances of winning any greater. You just have to send an email with your name, 
and say, I want to enter this competition. I want to win these two books. That's it. To competition at arsblog.com. And I will read out the winner. The random number generator will uh, pick out a winner uh, at random because that's that's what it does by its very nature. Uh, and I will give you the winner on, on next week's show. Oh, and just while I think of it, will you just please make sure that when you do send the email, just put the word arsecast or arsecast competition in the subject line because uh, it's easy to to find the emails then. So just subject line arsecast. So what else? What else is there? I mean, I feel like there there is something else. I feel like I'm forgetting something, an important piece of information. You know, when you leave the house and you go, what is it I'm forgetting? Jesus, I know I've forgotten something. What the fuck is it? And you're halfway down the road and you're like, oh, I forgot my phone or I forgot my wallet. I, f- I feel a bit like that right now. But I can put my finger on what it might be. Like I've done stuff. I've done the competition. We've talked a bit about football. Um, I don't know. Maybe I should just leave it there. How about that? Oh, I remember. I remember. The concept album about space and monkeys. And, nah, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Look, let's hope that we can uh, do Swansea. Our record against them, as we said earlier, is not particularly great. At home, it's uh, 2011 since we last beat them. They're a bit of a bogey team. So let's hope we can do that. Then we've got some uh, midweek Champions League action, of course. But myself and James will uh, look forward to that on the Arscast Extra on Monday. We'll also look back to whatever it is that's happened against Swansea uh, this weekend. Um, let's just win. I think it would be apt, wouldn't it, if we if we had a 4-0 win after the very first Arscast could we get one, two, three, four, six, 16 nil win against Swansea? Don't think so. Maybe a four nil win. I don't, I'll take one nil. I don't care. Just any old win. That'd do. I think that would mark the occasion very nicely. So uh, over to you, Arsenal. Uh, as I said, Arscast Extra on Monday. Uh, I'll be back with another regular Arscast next Friday. Until then, take it easy, folks. Have a good one. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Some coffee, butter and bread You can't make a thing Cause the meat is dead You've moved away Told your folks you're gonna stay away Bright lights so hard on Wardle Street You hope you make friends With the guys you meet Somebody shows you around Now you've met the London boys Things seem good again Someone cares about you The first time that you popped a pill Feel a little queasy, decidedly ill. You're gonna be sick, but you mustn't lose fight. To let yourself down would be a big disgrace with the London boys. With the London boys, you're only 
I was sitting there, despairing about the state of the world. How had we let a man like that rise to such prominence? How was it he could say these things that we all knew were so wrong? But it made no difference. There he was the next time saying something equally stupid or offensive. How had it come to this? Then I realized that television stations the world over employ people like Robbie Savage. I didn't feel so bad. There was a knock at the door. What do you want, mister, I said. Are you a Maori Bischoff P.I., he said. Yeah, I said, that's my name on the door right there. Can't you read? No, he said, I, I can't. Oh, I said, I'm sorry, you idiot, he said. I'm only joking, of course I can read. Then what do you want, mister, I said. He paused. I don't want anything. I'm just here to get you to the end of the music. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, 
you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.